and welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today from downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. And today we are going to be talking about single skein projects. Hooray! We are just coming off of the Indie Spotlight Weekend, which if you had a chance to join us was really fun. We did a live event, uh, Dear Scratch, there, and we had the opportunity. We sponsored the two designer panels that were part of Indie Spotlight. And it just, it's got us thinking about single skein projects even more than we usually do. Absolutely. We focus on single skein projects every month. We're always looking for something new, mostly because of our subscription box. We do something monthly called Cast On Club, where we work with indie dyers to create new colors and bring never before seen yarns from them to you every month. We recommend patterns for both knitters and crocheters that will work great with those yarns, and the weight varies. We ask these dyers to work with what their favorite bases are. So some month it might be a single-ply fingering weight, and another month it might be a DK weight superwash merino. Like, you're never sure what you're going to get. So it's great to have pattern recommendations. And we got really excited when we had the opportunity to listen to these up-and-coming designers speak because a lot of them have a great selection of accessory patterns, so you don't need a ton of yardage to make something really fantastic. And we wanted to share some of those ideas with you today. One of the things that happens a lot when you have any kind of fiber event, if it's, you know, in person or virtual or whatever, right, is you get to explore new dyers who you haven't necessarily encountered before, and you get to see new things. And sometimes you're like, I have no plan, but I'm looking at this. I'm here in the moment. I need to take this home with me. And then you have this like single skein of something that you have to find something to do with. And that's great, but also it's good to have some projects like just kind of in your back pocket, things that you're interested in doing so that when that comes up, you're ready to make something. Definitely. I know I definitely have some things lurking in my stash that I've picked up at at events that we've been to that just don't have a purpose yet, Mm -hmm. but they will. And I'm not a planner like you are sometimes when we go to events, like where we've talked on past episodes about when we went to Vogue and you had the singing sand shawl pattern in mind. So like you knew what you were going to do with your single skeins. Like I'm the kind of person where they go to my stash to, I'm not going to say they go there to die because they're not, (laughs) They'll, they'll get pulled out and used at some point, but like I have to really make the effort. So I'm I'm looking forward to this conversation because I I need this nudge, I think. Should we start with Michael? Oh, sure. So Michael Green was one of the designers on the designer panel, and we just really loved his designs. We thought they would work great with either single skeins or sometimes if you have like two single skeins, which sounds like a weird thing to say, but you know, you picked up one from one dyer and one from another dyer and you're not really sure what to do with them. His designs would be a good opportunity to use those two kind of lone skeins together. Yes. Michael is very into symbology, and that means that his design sense really focuses on color work. So he only has a handful of patterns available at the moment, though he did tell us that he's got other things in the works, which is super exciting. And they're all at least two color projects. So we wanted to tell you about a couple of them today. The first one that we thought was really cool is the provenance mitts. Provenance mitts? 
I'm saying this wrong. Provenance? Provenance mitts. (laughs) Thank you. So the provenance mitts, they're fingerless mitts, and it's two-color color work, and it's a design written for fingering weight yarn. So if you are like most fiber people, chances are you have a number of single, lonely fingering weight skeins hanging out in your stash, and perhaps two of them would like to come together and become an amazing project. If you are, you know, you find yourself at a fiber festival or whatever, you just really need to like, with no plan, take one of these skeins home with you. Fingering weight is usually a pretty good choice because it gives you the most yardage to work with. And so you can kind of, you know, there's lots of like single skein shawl patterns and that kind of thing. Like it gives you a good chance of being able to find something good. And I like that that's what he ended up using for these mitts. Mm hmm. He talked a little bit about his design process. And, you know, Jessica mentioned that he's really into symbology. He starts his designs with symbols. The patterns that he was talking about this weekend, you know, the inspiration for them, sort of the starting point from them, he drew from traditions in Ghana and worked those in. And he sort of like looks at the symbols and then figures out what shape does the symbol want to be part of. And then that's how he designs his thing. So I think that that's just neat. I like his patterns so much. Yeah, they're absolutely beautiful. He also has really fantastic color sense. Yes. So they're just, they're gorgeous to look at. His other pattern that we wanted to recommend to you for your lone skeins is the Sankofa cowl. It's a colorwork cowl that uses two colors and he has written it for sport weight yarn, but I think that it would also be great if you have a couple of skeins of DK weight hanging out in your stash too. Sure. You probably don't want to take a cowl that was written for worsted weight and convert it to use fingering without actually changing anything about it. You might end up with like a neck hugger, like turtleneck not connected to a sweater, but you can probably get away with like, you want to make it bigger, use a bigger yarn. You know, there's a lot of wiggle room there. So I think sport weight, DK weight, maybe even worsted weight would be just fine for this cowl. Mm -hmm. His patterns are available on Ravelry. I'm not sure that they're available anywhere else at the moment but they're listed there. And if you don't follow him on Instagram, you should. His Instagram handle is at mdgreen85. We're going to link all of these in the show notes. I did put up a blog post with all of these designers, so I'm going to link to that too. And it has all of their Ravelry, if they sell on Ravelry, you know, if they have another site that they sell on, either Payhip or an independently hosted website, and then their Instagram as well. So just kind of to help keep all this organized. What about Vanessa Smith? She's fabulous. Vanessa Smith has a deeper catalog than Michael does. I think she's been doing this uh, five-ish years. For quite a while, yeah. yeah. And she has a really great mix of both accessories and sweater patterns available. And her designs, they come from her her love of texture, I think. She talked a lot about really enjoying working with lace and cables. And I know that she has some designs where the first one was a shawl and she liked the lace pattern in it so much. She translated that into a sweater that she wore during the Indie Spotlight panel. And it was just beautiful. It was a fantastic sweater. I'm kind of tempted to let it jump my cue actually and just make it. It's so good. A lot of her shawls are single skein shawls, which is super exciting. So you've got this beautiful skein of fingering weight yarn and stash. You want something to do with it that really shows off this Indie Dyer's work. Vanessa's going to have great options available for you. 
Her Charlize shawl is really lacy, and it's a fingering weight that only uses between like 375 and 440 yards. So kind of no matter what the base is, you should have just about enough yardage to make this particular pattern. Yeah, that's like a pretty solid standard fingering weight skein. There's also the Emberly cabled hat, which takes about 250 yards, and it's written for sport weight. You know, with a little math, you could make it work for either fingering or DK weight. And it has cables, which is amazing. Yep, it's super cozy, really cute, and would look great in like light or dark colors. You could play with your speckled yarn and not lose the stitch definition. You've got lots of options with her patterns. Vanessa's patterns are available on Ravelry. And if you're not following her, you should follow her at Vanessa Smith Designs on Instagram. There was also Corrado Lark. He mostly designs accessories. He has some sweaters and some warmer weather tops. A lot of his pattern names are kind of puns. So he has like the fish tank. He's super funny. He was a trip. (laughs) He really was. He was very fun to have on the panel. Also, he brought his dog. He did. And we like didn't talk about his dog at all, which was extremely disappointing. It was a tiny little amazing little friend. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to DM him and be like, Corrado, right. just tell us more about your dog. <laughs> <laughs> a good one skein project of his that doesn't need any like it's not color work. It's really just one skein is the King Drape Shawl. It's asymmetrical and it has a big version and a small version. So the small version is just one skein. And then the big version, if you have two skeins, go for it. Yeah, it's got kind of weird construction, too, because it looks like you are casting on more stitches as you go. So you can kind of just make it as big as you want it to be. It's, I think, really easily adaptable to whatever yarn you have on hand. Those patterns are the best. And the thing you always want to do, and this is a little bit of a conservative estimate if you're not using a sewn bind off, but you definitely want to be conservative in your estimate in this situation, especially a shawl pattern where you can just kind of keep going until you run out of yarn. You keep going until the amount of yarn you have left is three times the length of what you would need to bind off. Mm -hmm. And that will give you enough yarn for the bind off. There's nothing worse than losing a game of yarn chicken in the bind off. I've definitely lost that wager. Yes. That guess. Oh, yeah. Yep. It happens. Mm -hmm. It's it's never a good time when it happens, but it does happen. I knit a sweater once for Scarlet, and I totally lost on the yarn chicken and was not willing to pick back a row. So I just bound off like six inches of the hem of this sweater with scrap yarn that I spliced. <laughs> I was like, mm. I remember that. Yeah, she's five. She doesn't care. No. <laughs> he had a good marled hat too, right? Yes, it's super fun. It's called Scrappy Plied Two Night Stand. Two Night Strand. Two Night Strand. Jessica's being defeated by the pun. It's too much for me. (laughs) But it's a great stash buster project. You're holding two strands of DK weight together to create an Aran weight hat, and it's just marled throughout, and there's like a fun, scrappy little pom-pom on top if you're a pom-pom person, but high recommend. It's wicked cute. His stuff is on Ravelry and Payhip, so if you are not using Ravelry either right now or in the foreseeable future, He does host all of his things on Payhip as well, so that's very convenient. And his Instagram is at Corrado Lark. Mm -hmm. And then Jennifer Lasande, whose designs are under Boston Jen. She's been doing this for quite a while also, and she has lots of wearable accessories. Her stuff is not very lacy. She says it's not very fussy. 
because that's just not her personal aesthetic. She designs things she wants to wear, which is kind of my favorite way to see people designing. Yeah, her patterns have a lot of color blocking, and I think that while she has a number of them that are really great for single skein projects, they're also great for your like all of your misfit skeins. Like she's got a shawl that's got some like wedge triangles where each triangle is a different color. So I think that you really can use up a lot of your stash or like shop for special skeins and know that you can turn to her patterns and find some way to incorporate them into an upcoming project. She has a new pattern that just released that she talked about at Indie Spotlight. It's called the Glass Ceiling Hat, and it takes one skein of DK weight yarn, and it features a slip stitch pattern that creates kind of like a ladder. You know, you're climbing the ladder, and you're going to break the glass ceiling. Like, it's super excellent. I think it would be a fun, quick knit and would really look fantastic in any sort of indie dyed yarn, because while there is some texture to it, it's not like Karen said, like it's not fussy, it's not overly intricate, so you don't have to worry about tiny, tiny little details being obscured by color changes. She also has a shawl called the Tan House Brook Shawl, which is a one skein fingering weight project, and it's just, it's a triangle shawl, but it has lots of fun texture in it, so it's a fairly simple construction, but with enough neat stitch stuff happening to keep it interesting. So Mm -hmm. we like her patterns a lot, they're really great. One of the things that she mentioned when she was talking about her designs, too, is that she likes checklists. Yes. So within her patterns, it's kind of set up checklist style. So it's really easy to keep track of where you are, which is great if you're the kind of knitter who is like picking up and putting down your project a lot and you don't like to spend time pouring over the pattern going, "Uh, where did I leave off? Like it's very easy to identify where you last were in the pattern if you use her kind of checklist process. Those are the best. I think Melanie Berg does that too, where she gives you a little like a checklist and she tells you what percentage of the project you have already completed. And when I was first getting into knitting like larger shawls and they just felt like these big endless projects being like, oh, I'm 82% of the way done. Oh, I'm 15% 15% of the way done. I guess I'm going backwards. <laughs> but like, that's what it feels that was, like sometimes. Yeah. Oh. And that was just such a nice, like, my brain found that so satisfying. Mm-hmm. So her patterns are available on Ravelry and on Lovecrafts. And her Instagram handle is at BostonGen1. So we can, we're going to link all of these. So don't worry, you don't have to remember, but you can find them and follow them and see all the neat stuff they're doing. Mm-hmm. Can we do a special shout out to Swanky Emu? Yes. And I feel like we'll maybe talk in more detail about her in a future episode because she is doing some wildly special stuff. Her? Okay. So, and she does not sell on Ravelry. She only sells on her own website. So go Google Swanky Emu and we'll link it. Her patterns are inclusive in a way that I've rarely seen from a designer before. What she does is she has you take measurements and she has come up with a spreadsheet. So for all the different like parts of your body that you are knitting for. And so you plug in those measurements and her spreadsheet like custom tailors the pattern to you. It doesn't matter if you have, you know, what sort of configuration of different body shapes you might have, right? It doesn't matter if your hips are narrower than your waist or your waist is narrower than your hips or your bust is wider than your chest. She factors all of that in, and it's so cool. And we're going to have to talk about her forever, but just I was like starry-eyed talking to her on whatever day that was because it was it was so neat. 
it's really genius. And it's like this level of technical detail that without all of this customization, like these custom measurements coming from the knitter, like is impossible to factor into patterns that are written in traditional ways. Traditionally written patterns are not choose your own adventure style, but this kind of is. It's like bespoke knitwear. Yeah. Where it's just very specifically for your body because Sarah is somehow an extreme Excel spreadsheet wizard. She is. (laughs) She super is. (laughs) I will tell you, I struggle with Excel spreadsheets. (laughs) Like trying to get them to do anything for me feels like it's a Herculean effort. And watching her show us little snippets of changing the neck measurement and watching all of the other numbers reconfigure, it was mind-blowing. And how exciting to have the opportunity to, like, you and I could knit the same sweater and it would fit our very different body shapes. Yes. Perfectly. It would be wild. It's so cool. And one of the things she did say about her process that I thought was really interesting is that she does her own tech editing. Because can you imagine being the tech editor who gets this and you're like, oh, no. no." (laughs) (laughs) I can scarcely imagine being the knitter who gets to knit this. Forget about someone trying (laughs) to correct for this amount of magic. I mean, it just is. So she gets like extra credit because not only has she done this kind of amazing thing, but she's done two jobs as part of doing the amazing thing. She's designed and tech edited. Mm -hmm. And and she talked about that process too, because during this conversation with these designers, there was talk about like using tech editors versus and or with test knitters. Right. And Sarah really relies heavily on test knitters because she needs to know what the experience is on the knitter end. I think in a very particular way versus regular test knitting. Like it's it's a different process for her. It reminded me a little bit of the way that like a more technical version of the way that Jessie Maid interacts with her test knitters because we've talked about Jessie Maid before, but what she does is she has her test knitters knit and then basically tell you everything about their body so that you can look at this and see like, oh, if your rib cage is like this and your bust measurement is like this and your shoulders are like this and, you know, they're stretchy garments. I don't think Sarah's things are particularly stretchy necessarily any more than regular knit. They're not knit in like twisted 3-1 rib like a lot of Jessie Mae's stuff is. Anyway, I am super excited to explore some of this. Yeah. Her like aesthetic inspiration is a lot of mid-century kind of vintage knit. So like things that are intended to be tailored looking. Right. And just kind of very like classic, retro, beautiful aesthetic that works for whoever happens to pick up the pattern. Yeah. So lots of really, and those weren't the only designers who are on the panel either. So if you go check out that blog post, it's a list of everybody. We really specifically wanted to talk about single skein stuff. And then also, I'm just super excited about what Swanky Emu is doing. Yeah. Hey, what's on your needles? Ah, my sorrel, (laughs) my sorrel forever. But you know what? I feel like I might be able to wear it at the sorrel soiree. That's exciting. I'm not making any promises. It's entirely possible there will still be needles in it. (laughs) But there's enough of it that I can put it on my body. Perfect. Mm -hmm. What's on your needles, Karen? Well, I can tell you what's not on my needles. (gasps) Because it's on my blocking mat is my Barnhart. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) 
so good. It is literally blocking right now. I love this sweater so much. I have a knitter confession. It's just less of a knitter confession and more of a shop owner confession. I had never done mattress stitch correctly before. I had done mattress stitch, but it was not right. And so I had not actually done mattress stitch. I had been, I think I like whip stitched instead when I was supposed to do it. And then I discovered top down sweaters and I like never seamed anything. But the way the construction of this thing goes is you're seaming up the sides and you're seaming up under the arm for the whole length of both the side and the underarm. And so I was like, I am going to a tutorial and I'm going to make sure that I'm mattress stitching correctly because if I do it wrong, I'm going to be so mad. Mattress stitching is amazing. It's like wizardry. You just kind of like seam it up together and then it just zips up and it's like the seam disappears and it's so cool. And you know what? Okay. I haven't made a seamed sweater ever that I actually made. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I, you know, I have pieces of a seamed sweater that I think I finally like removed from my life that lived in the attic for a really long time. But like, I never got to the actual seaming part. First of all, I felt like this thing was going forever because I like didn't understand it. You know how when you're driving and you don't know where you're going and so you start looking for it like way too early and then it just feels like it takes forever to get there. And Mm -hmm. then on the way back, you're like, oh, that didn't take that long. That was what it was like knitting the sweater. I was like, oh my gosh, this is never ending. I'm just knitting big flat flaps that just go forever and I don't understand what they are and I'm just doing it and it never ends. And then it kind of just ended all at once. And I was like, oh, I actually do see what I was doing there. That makes perfect sense. So I think I am A, no longer scared of seamed sweaters and B, very intent on knitting another Norgon sweater. So that's so exciting and fantastic. And it's a super beautiful sweater. Like it turned out great. Love it. I also, I think I put a little extra ease in it Mm -hmm. compared to the suggested amount of ease. So it's like a big cozy, I... I love it. The nurtured is so great. I had a really kind of funny experience blocking the nurtured also. So I had my big bowl and I was soaking it, right? Put the soak in, put the sweater in, start running the water. And I I knit it out of the nurtured in Green Mountain. So it's like kind of a gray green, light to mid tone green. Mm -hmm. And so you could really see like as the yarn got wet and it took the yarn forever to get wet. (laughs) <laughs> I love this yarn. It's like water repellent. Woolly goodness. It's so good. Mm-hmm. So I'm super excited. I definitely lost my race with the weather on this one. Like it is like 80 degrees out right now. <sighs> I'm not wearing this sweater anytime soon unless it like is weirdly cold in the store one day. But I don't care. I love it. It's a stunner. It's so great. And I'm glad that you have come over to the, the seam side. Like mattress stitch is fun zipping up panels of knitting and have it become like invisibly joined is exciting no matter how many times you do it. At least for me, it is. Can I tell you about the thing I thought was really clever that didn't work at all? Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to hack this. So I had left right where like the front and back of the body, Mm -hmm. like the corners, you know, at the bottom in the hem, I had left like a really long tail. And so I was like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to thread my needle onto this I'm going to spit splice with my live yarn. And then I just have like endless tail to stitch with. This will be great. I can seam. That did not work because there were two (laughs) strands. Yeah. And it took me 
I don't know, not that long to figure it out, but longer, like, long enough. Long enough. I should have really <laughs> thought that through. It was okay. It worked out. I just picked it out. But don't try to overthink it. Just do the seam. <laughs> yeah. Exciting. Anyway, I love the sweater so much. It's so pretty. And I kind of don't know. Like, I, I have a color work top that mm-hmm. I'm going to be working on now that we can't really say the name of yet. And then I kind of want to go pick up the Noragon Monstera sweater. That's such a good sweater. I think you should, you creepy, weird plant person. <laughs> Y'all don't know because you haven't been in the store in the last however long, but we have a Monstera that it's starting to feel very little shop of horrors. I've split off bits from it three times at this point, and mm-hmm. they're just, it won't stop. It won't stop. It won't stop. Can't stop. No, it it does not intend to. And it's now in the biggest pot that our local garden store sells, and I don't know what to do. So anyway, maybe we'll post a video sometime of me wrestling this Monstera into some kind of new pot in a Monstera sweater. It's wild. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to speak off the cuff. I have absolutely no idea what weight that Monstera sweater is written for. Who but- can say? But we have the Arcadia coming, and I think, so that is from Less Traveled Yarn, and it is non-superwash, and it's gorgeous, and it's like in a box in the UPS system right now headed to us, and I totally think that there is a gorgeous dark green in there that wants to be a Monstera sweater for me. That sounds perfect. I'm excited. It's meant to be. Hey, Jessica. Yes, Karen? Are you ready? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) She did so many of these lives. She did so many. I felt like I hung in there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ready for a letter? Yeah, let's do it. So this letter comes from Michelle. Hey, Michelle. My question is, what do you do when you get to a point in a project where you get lost and can't find your way out? Mm. I go online on Ravelry to see if anybody else has any tips. And then when everybody says, oh, I'm having so much fun. This is going so quickly. I feel like a dunce. Mine traditionally go sit in the naughty stool and sometimes get picked up and sometimes get frogged. I would love your guidance. Oh, Michelle, we've all (laughs) been there, I think. We have. Yeah. Everyone. Don't feel like a dunce and don't feel alone. Everybody struggles with their pattern periodically. And sometimes it's you because you're not in like the right state of mind. Sometimes it is some sort of technical issue or confusing language within the pattern that will catch you up and make you feel stuck. Without you identifying in your letter to me exactly like what your issue is, if we're just talking generally, there are a couple of ways to address this. So if you are knitting something, crocheters you too, if you're working through a pattern and you get to a point where you're like, what is happening? It's okay to put it down. Like, it doesn't even have to be the naughty stool. Like, (laughs) maybe that pattern's not naughty. Maybe the two of you just need some alone time away from each other. (laughs) So take a break. Do something else, whether it's 20 minutes to go have a snack and get some fresh air or like come back to it next week, whatever you need to do. 
give yourself some space between your point of frustration and your attempt to reconnect with this pattern. Because sometimes that's all you need. Like sometimes you're just in a bad space and you're like, I, no matter how many times I read this, it's not going to make sense to me. And I'm getting frustrated. And those feelings just kind of compound and get worse and worse. So sometimes the space will help. Other times you come back to it and you're like, you know what? I still have no idea what this person is telling me. This doesn't make sense. And you might be right. It might not make sense. Right. I have definitely knit things where I'm like, what is this? Right. And I feel that way because the answer is nobody knows (laughs) there is an error. (laughs) So if you suspect that might be the issue, check for errata either on the designer's website or on their Ravelry listing or if you got it from their pay hit page or wherever, wherever you've got this pattern. Check to see if there is an errata listing somewhere. And if you are newer to knitting from patterns and you don't know what errata is, errata is when a designer has made a mistake or somebody has missed in the editing and publishing process. There is some sort of technical error in the pattern and the errata note is the correction for that. So sometimes your pattern will automatically update. Say you use Ravelry for patterns. If a designer needs to correct something, you might get a notification in your message inbox saying, blah, 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 designer has sent you a new version of this pattern that you purchased from them, and it will be the corrected, most up-to-date version. Other times you'll see the pattern page listing, and in the notes, it will just say, errata, line 27, SSK should be K2 together. Mm-hmm. And that will be the correction there. Sometimes so. when you have a physical book, it has been somebody's job to stick a piece of paper in every copy of the book. Yes. Yep, that <laughs> happens too. So sometimes there's that. Sometimes it's not the pattern designer. Sometimes it's you. Mm -hmm. And that's not a judgment on you as a person. Sometimes you just don't know what this instruction means. You haven't acquired that skill yet as a knitter. And that's okay. Or it is a brain-to-brain translation issue. Like, Mm. sometimes it's you and your brain, even if you have the skill, like you're reading what the designer is telling you to do and your brain is going does not work for me right Mm -hmm. and it's like when you were in school and you had you know the teacher would explain something three different ways and the first two ways you'd be like what and then the third way they'd like break out a bunch of blocks and show it to you and you'd be like oh that's what fractions are or whatever right everybody learns differently and we all process information differently and that's fine so if something is not working for you Your best bet is to not beat yourself up, not feel alone. You need to ask for help. And that might be from a knitter friend. It might be from someone in like your social knit group, or it might be from a shop owner. Like go to your LYS. You can come to us, like ask for help. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just having that second set of eyes And the ability to filter that set of instructions through someone else's brain 
is all you need to clear up that stumbling block for you. And you're able to do the thing that has been holding you up and move forward and finish your project. One of the things the designers in the designer panel over the weekend were talking about was when they were newer designers, you know, every outside person that you are engaging to help you with your design, like that starts to get expensive. And so they were like holding off on tech editing. And finally, I think it was Jen Mm -hmm. said, I got tired of knitters asking me questions because they didn't understand the pattern. And I genuinely didn't know whether they were not understanding the pattern or whether I had made a mistake. And so I started going to a tech editor. Mm -hmm. But depending on what it is that you are working with, like what the pattern is that you're looking at, it may not have been tech edited. It may actually just have a mistake in it. That's not your fault. That's usually not the first assumption to make. Like, don't send the designer like a grouchy email that's like, I found a mistake in line eight because you said this and it should have been this. Right. Like, I mean, you know, if it's something really obvious, like they meant to tell you bobble and they typed like autocorrected banana, like, hey, (laughs) FYI, (laughs) I don't know how to banana stitch, but I can bobble (laughs) stitch. Right. Right. But even then be nice about it. Oh, yeah. But like often... Just getting that confirmation of a second set of eyes will help you make that determination. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can do it, Michelle. And it's not just you. This happens to everyone at some point with some piece of written knit instruction that you encounter. And it's totally normal. And you can get through it. And if you choose not to, that's okay, too. (laughs) I was just saying last night I was learning a new skill and I had to watch three or four different tutorials before I found one that I felt like made sense to me. Mm -hmm. I'm not an inexperienced knitter. I'm not somebody who generally has trouble understanding directions for things to do with your body, right? Like I do yoga, (laughs) you know what I mean? But like the first couple I was watching, they were just saying something about horizontal bars and I could not understand it until I, I found a tutorial that made sense to me. Like sometimes it's just a matter of getting it explained a different way by a different person, different set of words by the same person, whatever. Don't feel like a dunce. You can do it, Michelle. Hey, the Sorrel Soiree is coming up. Oh, yeah. It's, we are, we are here at the end of May. It's this weekend. How? How? Shh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it makes me feel kind of low-key panic. <laughs> we are weeks from summer, technically, like technical summer. Calendar summer? Seasonal summer. Astronomical summer. Yeah, astrological summer? Astronomical (laughs) summer. (laughs) So, summer is upon us. It is time to button up our spring knit-along, and this magical knitting event comes to a close with our Sorrel Soiree on Sunday, May 30th. If you are local to the Lebanon, New Hampshire area, from 10 to noon, you can head down to Court Street Stop by Lucky's while you're downtown, grab yourself a highly caffeinated icy beverage, and strut your stuff down Court Street outside of Scratch Supply Co. We will be taking your picture or taking a video if you really have some cool moves and sharing it in our Instagram stories so everyone can see your gorgeous, amazing sorrel, whether it is finished or in progress somehow on your body. If you are not local to us, we shed a little tear because we wish we could see you in person. But also, 
the Sorrel Soiree is all day long for you. You can share anytime you want online. Use the hashtag MakeGoodSorrel, and that way we can find your project pictures, and we will keep sharing them as part of our Sorrel event that day. And then on Monday, May 31st, that's like the official close time. And if you're still knitting your Sorrel, that's fine. Yep, absolutely keep going because it's great. All three versions of it are great, and we want you to finish but all things must come to an end. So on Monday, we will be announcing the person who wins the $150 gift card to Scratch. And you do not have to be done to be eligible. Oh, no, 0%. I mean, not 0%. You have to be some percent. Like you need to have like <laughs> cast on and taken some pictures so we can see that you're working on it because otherwise you won't, you won't win, but you don't need to be done. And thanks for knitting with us. I'm excited to see them. I've loved all the ones that have been sent so far. Like people have been tagging us in some gorgeous, gorgeous pictures of some gorgeous, gorgeous sorrels. Mm -hmm. It's super exciting. This was great. Mm -hmm. So many options. Something for everyone. This is a really fun knit along. Mm -hmm. I think that might be it for us this week. I think so too. If you're not already subscribed, you can subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or, I don't know, there's a bunch, Amazon Music. We're all over the place. When you're there subscribing, make sure that you take a second to rate and review us. It will help other knitters find us. And we love you all, so we want everyone to find us. We also want to hear from you. You can send us your questions. You can send us your letters. You can send us your pictures to our email email inbox dear scratch at scratch and if you want to see what we're up to make sure you're following us on instagram we're at make good pod thanks so much we will talk to you next week bye, -bye.